With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glaser, a mental wealth podcast. Build you from the inside out. Now, here's Jay Glaser. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental wealth podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer. Excited for my guest today. He's done so much, former NFL player for your Detroit Lions. And I know Detroit, man, they are very relevant this year. But he's also done something that I've tried to do as well, where I'm trying to use my issues to really help other people take hold of their mental health and, and turn it into mental wealth. Um, but before I get to him, before I introduce him, if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year, yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. I welcome into Unbreakable, a mental wealth podcast with Jay Glazer. And my guest today, I'm Really proud to have him on. I'm really proud of him. I watched him as a quarterback when the Detroit Lions used to be relevant with Barry Sanders. But what he's doing now is even more impressive. Eric Kramer, former quarterback, like I said, of those Lions, also just came out with a book recently before the holidays called The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. Eric, how are you, my dude? I'm very good, man. And just the, I love the fact that you change your, your podcast name to Mental Wealth because mental health is mental wealth, isn't it? Right. Absolutely. I made an effort of that because I've been talking about mental health a lot. And I used to, you know, go to some people and say, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you on the show. They're like, Oh, we don't really want to talk about our, you know, our depression, our anxiety, our issues. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not just about that. It's about you know our struggles that we have to build ourselves up. It's about the things that we've overcome. It's our, our daily you know, structures and struggles that lead us to success and through the other side of that tunnel to get us where we are. And you're right. I wanted to, you know, kind of change it to mental wealth because, you know, the more we tackle it, the the more daily routines and structures you get, it's just going to lead to more wealth between our ears. I love it. Great concept. I love the fact that you're taking one of the leads on that. And you're right. It's gone from something where nobody wants to talk about. You know, Laura Oakman, I was at the uh, Radio Row last year. And we were talking, because she and I, back when I was with Fox, we did one. And she goes, it's interesting how back when you were playing, Eric, those two terms, mental and health, did not go together. Right. Anywhere. 
And now it's kind of everywhere. So I, I, it is, and thank you as, you know, as someone who has had not only issues yourself, but sees them in others, as have I, and uh, taking the lead on kind of getting this out there where why shouldn't this be talked about and dealt with just like talking about the weather? Right. It's Absolutely. It goes through. Either, you go, either you're going through it or someone you know is. And, and I think it's great when a guy like you was a doodly dude, played quarterback in the NFL. Me, doodly dude. Man, when you can have kind of dudes show people, man, no one's questioning my manhood. I cry in the drop of a dime or I can tell you where I'm having issues or I'm struggling or I'm fucked up. No one's going to question my manhood. And I think that's where a lot of dudes struggle with it. They think, oh, if I say something, it makes me weak. Fuck no, it doesn't make you weak. And vulnerability yeah. is what makes you stronger. Your story is what makes you, that's your equity, right? That's what makes us strong. And even like you, you playing the NFL is not who you are. What's behind your ribcage that got you to beat out millions and millions and millions to play on that level? That's who the fuck you are. And that doesn't leave when the uniform comes off. And you can use that for the rest of your life. And you've had to use that in some really difficult situations, obviously. So I want you to take our, our listeners to your journey. And I want to hit the Lions here. The Lions are actually playing this coming weekend, which is always happening. And so, um, yeah, Lions playing like- the playoffs isn't, 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 uh, is, is an unusual situation. Right. Exactly. And they're, and they're looking good to get a, get a win. So I, I, I love the fact that the bulk of my NFL career at least started with the Lions. And, right. and, you know, I, I think what I learned there was back in 1990, I made that team, but was on injury reserve all year. And back then, when you're in the reserve, you don't play. Right. And so I was having a hard time getting through practice, slowing my mind down. And so I go to the team internist. He says, I got a great guy for you, Kevin Wildenhouse. And Kevin and I literally just began chatting. And Kevin's a therapist and uh, he retired now. But he got me into a state where this is the way you would want me, would want to live my life every day, which was through sort of mindfulness training, breathing, uh, guided imagery, where you put yourself in a tranquil place. And I don't care where that tranquil place is. For me, it was floating down a river. Doesn't matter. So when you step into a game or a practice, as it were, doesn't matter. I mean, you're in a state of you can get yourself in there, and that's where you would want to operate. At least that's where I would. And so it didn't matter who we were playing, where we were playing, the color of the uniforms, it didn't matter. And you just, I wanted to breathe my way through it. Wow. Kevin was great at doing things like breaking the huddle and sort of before you even say the play in the huddle, kind of visualize the play itself. And then as you're coming to the line, your vision and processing works kind of like a camera that would have both wide angle, you know, and zoom in. And so you want to know, uh, kind of the shell of the coverage, because that helps you to understand what the blocking responsibilities are, where you might be vulnerable. But it also, when you go wide angle, gets you back out on, is the guy inside or outside, meaning the cornerback. All these things, you kind of go from in tight to wide, in tight to wide. And that's along with the way you breathe and maybe, you know, in the in the Silver Dome, we didn't have grass. So there might be a sign up on the somewhere where you kind of look up there and, oh, that's a good sign because you kind of you don't want your emotions right dictating the ups and downs of you during it the game. It takes the chaos and out of it for you. It does, and so you kind of, as a way to calm myself down, there's cues you can give yourself, and you know that was the fun part of me that I had no idea about 
that as, you know, obviously nowadays that's more the norm than not. But back then it wasn't. Did you know back then before injury reserve, did you know you had depression, anxiety, or is no, it just I like, never, okay. I, no, I didn't experience it then at all. Wow. Um, it, it wasn't really, if you want to talk about that, it wasn't until I got to Chicago, you know, and if you look at my, I'll, I'll do this briefly as I can, but I wasn't recruited out of high school, ended up going to junior college, didn't start right away there. When I got recruited out of NC State, or by NC State, I went there, but they had two other guys, junior college guys that had just transferred in too, undrafted free agent, and then Chicago, I, I had to call my way on to the Lions, and uh, and then when I went to Chicago, that's the first team that said, hey, we want you, literally since youth football, and Wow. And so that first year didn't go so well. And I got injured, uh, came back. I think I played maybe in one more game after I had recovered from separating his shoulder, but we didn't win that game. And so the backup to me was Steve Walsh, who was no longer the backup. He was starting. And now here I am kind of brought there to be doing this, and I'm not. And so that was all out of the blue. There's this thing called depression, and didn't know what it was. Didn't call it. And so I guess, you know, through some, you know, talking things out with friends, a therapist, antidepressant medication, that had a way of lifting me up. And there's no, there it is, lift right. up. It's uh, right. Right. it's not like taking an aspirin. You got to work it. Yeah. It's, you know, four, six, eight weeks later, and but eventually, you know, through reaching out and these other types of things that, like I said, antidepressant never heard of that. You do get to a point, at least in my case, it was temporary. You don't feel that when it's happening, though, let me tell you. And yeah. so, anyway, that was my experience that one time during the season. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I want to go into what's happened since you know, mm-hmm. your playing career, and then we'll finish the show with you talking about Barry Sanders. Okay, so. <laughs> I have a segment where Barry comes on and talks about me. That's... <laughs> well, you know, I just watched yeah, his documentary. Yeah, we had guy that would hand off every now and then. <laughs> I just watched his documentary with my, my fiancé the other day, and she's like, oh, my God, like, it's unbelievable. You know, and she's just kind of learning about football now. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, who else is like that? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. There's nobody like there that. There's class of one. Nothing, right? <laughs> like, there's nothing like Barry Sanders. Like, his balance and his vision is just like, man, it was just – there was nothing like him. I mean, shit. Actually, no. We'll just talk about it right now. Give, right. <laughs> what? Give me your 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 favorite. Like one of, one of the you know, greatest things about yeah. Barry Sanders was that there was nobody less impressed with what he did right. than him. And so he could make the greatest run in NFL history and lose a yard, right? Or gain ninety nine. It didn't matter. Like at the end of the play, he was like, "Oh, home. Here's the ball." Right, and and and, and uh, he just you know he kind of had this you probably or she and others who watched it as of I this documentary, you know he's got kind of this very low key demeanor. He doesn't carry himself it's the opposite of ego. Yeah, follow me. He's the opposite <laughs> of the ego, right? Yes. And so every now and then he'll put there he'll put something out there that makes you know his whole thing was hmm really right. Give me the give me the moment. <laughs> In practice or in a game, you hand the ball off and you're like, "Okay, so here, what the fuck did I just see?" So here, to that point exactly, we would have we'd have meetings in the morning, and then let's say I don't know eight o'clock in the morning, and they might last for an hour and a half, two hours. We'd go right from there to walk through and have lunch afterward. Now, who knows what Barry was doing in the meeting? Who knows? Sleeping? I don't know. We had literally two running plays, and so we'd get out there and walk through in the stadium. It could be I don't know. 10 degrees outside in the winter, and he literally hand the ball, and he's supposed to walk to the line, which he would. But if he made contact with Mel Gray, who was a kick returner, punt returner, those two would make eye contact, and it was a 100-yard sprint, and then jog back, and then do it again, which is, there's no warm-up, there's no stretch, nothing. Right, it was right. just like, bing, game on. And that was, you know, seeing him do some stuff, though, in a game was – Obviously, that speaks for itself. I don't know that there's really anybody that could have done that. Any one play in in practice or again that you recall that like stands out more than the others? Of just like, what the fuck did I just see? Like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're playing, and this is back in the '91 season, and we're playing Buffalo, the last game of the season. We have to win this to win the division. Go twelve or four. I think uh, Chicago is right there with us, and I forget late second half sometime. So we didn't have a tight end on the team. And so we're down on about the one-yard line, and we got no tight ends. So it's at the end of the tackle is a tackle, and at the end of the other tackle is another tackle. And so there's a guy that comes unblocked off the left side, and I turn the hand of the ball to Barry. There's nobody blocks this guy. Barry takes the ball. As the time he's taken, it spins around, and he never touches Barry Sanders. Never touches him. Barry walks in. I saw him one time get a, a handoff. So we had two plays, that play, which is an off-tackle slant, and a draw. That was it. He, we're playing Chicago, and he takes a handoff on a draw, and it's him and Mike Singletary in the hole. And the hole's maybe this wide. And, yeah, that Mike Singletary. Right, and right. at the end of the play, Mike Singletary's on his knees, doesn't touch Barry, and Barry's got a first down, he's 10 yards down the field. So, like, 
he made really remarkable players look inept. Yes. And and that was it didn't happen all the time, but it happened enough where oh, this, is a lot. No, yeah. this is no coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've done, I've done appearances with Barry a lot of and man, he's such a sweetheart. Love the yeah. guy. Yeah. And you're right, he, he's the opposite of ego. It's, yeah. it's unreal. Just that's a, never that's and a I, very and I, good, succinct right? point. I told my fiance going in, I said, hon, nicest guy I've ever met in this league. And I said, it'll, I'm sure it'll come through here because it's just who he is. He's authentic. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, it, and it's good to see him come back and, and be part of the, the Alliance family again, especially like, dude, I'm a big Dan Campbell guy, man. He's authentic. And, and I, I've told Dan, I said, listen, you work because like, man, those old days of beating guys down, beating guys down and beating guys down. It doesn't work anymore because these guys are beat down so much on Twitter and social media all day long. The last thing they need is their father figure or their uncle figure, who that coach is, right? Is doing the same thing. Their big brother figure doing the same thing. Now they need to just be loved up and, and somebody authentic. And you could see how much he loves them, but his authentic, there's nothing authentic in these guys' lives. There's bots now, you know, hitting you up on Twitter and your social media is all filtered highlights, right? Nothing's yeah. fucking real. So you got a guy like Dan who's authentic. That's why you work. And, and I'm like, I know, and I've known Dan since he was working. I'm like, you won't, don't even have the ability to change from that, which is how, you know, nor would is, you want to. Yeah. Nor would you want to, which is, which is great. And it's great to see the, the city of Detroit deserves it. Is there a better, what, 10-second clip of of last year going onto the field knowing they have no chance to go to the right. playoffs in Green Bay and go, how do you, you know, knowing that you're not going, uh, what are your, what's your mindset going into this game? Well, they're not going either. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he is. You definitely want to be the foxhole with him, man. All right. So your career, again, you had a great career, dude. I think you had a great career. But after – your career ended, and you and I have talked, uh, and yep. it just blew my mind. Of You talked about all the stuff you had overcome to get to the NFL. But the stuff you've overcome after the NFL is what makes you an absolute G. So fill our, our, our listeners in, because, you know, a lot of life, life really is about things you've overcome, right? It's not about the easy stuff. It's about all That's the hardship right. we get through. That's right. And there's there's no better learning circumstances than difficult ones. Mm-hmm. So my oldest son, Griffin, came out of the womb kind of against the eight ball uh, physically. He, about three weeks old, the uh, doctors discovered he had a staph-eating, flushing bacteria, staph infection on what used to be his umbilical cord. And uh, so that was a death-defying surgery there and even afterward. And so that was Griffin's introduction to the world. And then through kind of no fault of his own, he had a very difficult time brain-wise, kind of, what would I say? He was a very social kid, but he had no idea what he was doing to sabotage those very relationships he was investing in. He had, we had him uh, tested around age, uh, I think, 13, like neuropsychologist testing. When, When you're that age, it doesn't happen in one day. It's over the course of three or four days. And Janine Bison was her name, and she basically said, you know, Griffin has a very difficult time process, like sitting in in school. He couldn't. I remember reading with him. He was having difficulty with that in like second grade. And for him to fit into that box in the world of education just simply wasn't going to happen. And so, you know, as everybody has to be connected to somebody, the you know, high school years, he started to slip into a bad situation um, where he became the situation. So 
at the time I was married, Marshawn and I en- entered him into a, a drug rehab facility, not close to home. And um, he was there for, I think, about nine months, mu- uh, sorry, 90 days. And then uh, that was inpatient. And then outpatient was where he would live at home, but we'd drive. So it was about the time he was getting out, which, and he kind of had his eyes on the finish line. And this would have been sometime early in 2011. So I, I remember hearing him utter these and very, at the time. Were you a broadcaster? Is that what you were doing? At yes, the time? I was okay. with Fox at the time. Okay, all right. Doing games and studio mm-hmm. stuff, and I remember him uttering these very words. It went from "Hey, thank you guys for getting me into rehab because otherwise I would have been dead or in jail." To uh, "Oh no, that was brainwashing." Well, no, it wasn't brainwashing. So it wasn't long after, I want to say this might have been February, March of 2011. And what happens when kids or anybody goes back to doing what they were doing before, in this case, it was heroin. Griffin went to do exactly what he did before, which then sent him into a seizure. And then um, ultimately, he ended up passing away that night. And this was uh, October 30th, right. uh, 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was... Uh, you know, as as difficult days go, there's nothing like that. And then a, a time period also, there's nothing quite like that. But prior to that, earlier that year, the day after Mother's Day, my mom found out she had stage four uterine cancer out of the blue. So eventually, after another major surgery by her or for her, the cancer came back and she passed away in July of 2012. And then my dad... During around that time, too, uh, had some untreated acid reflux. And for all you people that have ever had that, get it treated. Because untreated, it turned into esophageal cancer. And that was about a three-year or so. Never going to make a U-turn there. And that was uh, straight downhill, but for a long time. It's just, it was hard. You know, and and all of a sudden, literally overnight, uh, when Griffin passed away, there wasn't much else that mattered to me. So I, I remember um, calling up someone at Fox and telling them, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I just I can't do this. Anyway, it was a typical time, and uh, it's it's a time when you don't want to be alone. And uh, unfortunately for me, it was a time when I was. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, 
as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. That's a lot of trauma to go through. It is. A lot. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And then did it send you down a bad path? It did. It did. In, in terms of depression. And I remember driving down, you know, not far from my house. And I had had depression a few times prior to this as well. And and I go, oh, no. Because when you get this little feeling, it, it's here now. And it's not going anywhere. So I, I remember giving a phone call to a friend of mine, Eric Kipple. And Eric said, okay, uh, get on an airplane. And there's a program that he helped uh, get going at the University of Michigan, not on their campus, but as a program, it was a, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, it was a depression center. But where it was, was on this farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. So I was there for, I think, 30 days. Uh, I remember talking to Eric and calling him and he came over and I said, you know, <laughs> uh, Eric, this just isn't the place for me. And which is exactly, it was a place for me. Place for it was right. just probably too late. Eric was great. He would come over. He'd drive me to certain places to go get seen by this doctor and that doctor. But some of the stuff that I learned from him, I don't remember. And there's a something called PRP. Uh, I'm sorry, not PRP. Uh, QEEG. And it's a brain mapping thing. And so I don't remember that. And I don't remember how I got home. I don't remember who picked me up. Now I do. I didn't remember it. But so people told me. And so it just, it was a, not a good time and not a good time at all. And, and I don't know when it happened or when I started this, but because I was by myself, I began plotting my exit. And that's the other thing about depression is it really, from my experience, it takes away, it takes away your own aerial view of your life. So the perspective that you might have once had, you don't. You now are looking through a keyhole of life. And there's no one else on the other side of that keyhole. And, and me, I'm not my own best counselor. And none of us would be in that situation. And like you had mentioned, uh, it's really about before any of that ever happens, observe people, your friends, doesn't matter what age you are, get a therapist, have one that you kind of have developed a relationship with now over time. And what you really want, and I don't care what age this is, you really want People that you admire, there are certain whatever quality characteristics, char uh, you know, character characteristics they have. Things like, doesn't matter how old you are. Again, if you're if you're 10, 11, 12 years old, they would be things like, you know, do you have your friends back? Are you a good friend? Are you a bully yourself? Probably not. If you don't, if you have friends, that's probably not you. And things that build your home team around you. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. Build your it could team, be two right? or three friends. Absolutely. And. People that really will notice in you, is everything all right? Because right. just last week or so, and then who knows what it is. Yeah. And it, but it's also good things that you want to announce 
right. to somebody that receives them and goes and, and is happy for you, builds you up that way. So those are things that long before depression strikes can be done. Right. Well, one of the things you did early on that I always try and preach now, which is great, is you did. You reached out, Derek Kipple. You talked to one of your teammates, you know, and I, I hid my shit for so long. And, you know, I tell people like I didn't, you know, my best friend's Michael Strand. I didn't tell him anything until 30 years in. And one night I was like, I ain't going out tonight, man. It's the piece got out of the box. He's like, well, why have you never told me? And I just hit it with Viking and alcohol and, you know, mm. for all those years. And now that I do have teammates to, to talk to, it's, you know, it's a lot more helpful and it's got me a lot closer, but you were way ahead of your time. No, it's okay to talk about that. Well, you know, I, I feel grateful really for the people in my life that come along because yeah. you never know who's coming when. Right. And sometimes it's in situations that are tough that someone appears. One of the things I want to do now is there's a mental health program I've helped develop with a couple other people. And we're going to start out as an after school program with kids and families. And one of them is a guy named Tim Thane, who, when Griffin was around that age again, around 12, 13, therapist uh, Marshawn and I were seeing mentioned this was it uh, wilderness therapeutic wilderness camp in, in the one that he specified was in Utah. It's called Second Nature. And it was the transition home, though, from what you do there uh, called Homeward Bound, a guy named Tim Thane, and comes into our house for three days and live there, but basically um, is an in-home work, three in-home workshop. And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever, because it's really based on the solution talk, meaning, you know, let's say, you know, with your son or daughter, you know, they're just not going to want to speak to you for any reason. Well, you can find the one thing. There might be 50 things they're not doing. You find the one thing they are doing and strike up a conversation that way to make them feel good about themselves and then build the relationship that way. And rules and consequences will come as a result of learning that, you know, they don't want to disappoint you, meaning your kids. Uh, I remember one of the first exercises we did is Tim hands out a sheet of paper to both, to all four of us, Marshawn, Griffin, and Dylan. Now, Dylan was probably eight years old, and Griffin was probably 13-ish. And um, who do you think Griffin put down, of the four of us, at the top? What, what do you have to write down? The hierarchy of the family. Okay. Who do you think you... Griffin put up there? You. Himself. Oh, really? <laughs> really? So, right. So, and to a degree, he was probably right. And so the idea is to, no, 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 no. We run this ship, meaning Marshawn and I run this ship. Right. And you guys, we love, and but you're, you're, you're not steering the ship. Right. You don't want the 13 year old guiding the Titanic. And so um, anyway, that that's the idea is that communication is of the utmost importance, meaning that you're always building each other up. So yeah. that's that's what we're going to start out doing. Did you have a suicide attempt? I certainly did. And so it wasn't long after I got back in. Uh, I, I want to say it was 2000. Going out to uh, see Eric out there, uh, Hippo, I want to say that was probably sometime in June-ish uh, of 2015. Uh, I was out there for, I'm told, 30 days, um, came back home. Again, I don't remember that. At some point, I just I, I was left to my own devices and sat down and 
I don't know what day this was, but I was at, alone at my house and started on my computer researching how to do this. And then, you know, financially figuring out what money goes where, as if any of those people care. And so there was a day when eventually all the planning was over. And then I just, uh, I remember standing outside my bedroom, like at the top of the stairs, feeling just uneasy, like, okay, well, I guess now it's time. So I think it was later that day, Dylan wasn't living with me at the time. He was living with his mom. And, um, but I didn't want to take the chance on him coming home and having me there by myself in the aftermath. And so I went to, of all places, the good night in. And so, uh, yeah, apparently I, I don't remember doing any of this stuff, but I, uh, you know, I didn't take much. And, uh, I took a gun and uh, the bag, and I, I guess I started calling or texting or whatever. So some people were on the receiving end of texts they did not want to get. And one in particular was a friend of mine that I went to high school with uh, who was uh, at Lost Hill Sheriff's Department. He, was, he ran their lie detector division, and uh, he wasn't there, though. He apparently was getting his son checked into college in, in, uh, Louisiana, in New Orleans, I think. So Chris sees this, like, apparently I put in there where I am and what I'm about to do, and which wasn't far from Lost Hill Sheriff's Department. So he obviously called there. Actually called me, I think. And uh, I guess there was no answer on the room, but he called myself. And I guess I picked up afterward. Uh, this is all coming from him. I have no recollection of this, but he said something to the effect of, you know, hey, whatever's in your hand, drop it. And uh, he said, there's somebody at the door waiting for you. Meaning, like, they you had a gun in him. your hand. This is after I shot myself. Oh, you, you left that part out. Oh, no. This is after I did that. Um, so you did. So you shot yourself. I did. Right here. Oh, my God. And, and so I'm sitting up against oh the headboard. And after doing that, I pick up the phone, I guess. And Chris was like, hey, there's somebody at your door right now. So I, don't have any recollection. I guess I got up and went to the door. And what I'm told is I walked down and got in the ambulance. So, you know, there's probably, Jay, two or three years that went by that I don't remember. But at the same time, there's nobody on this earth any more grateful than me for still being here. And, uh, you know, I guess that comes with living with a purpose because now I've got many, many. Wow, that's incredible. First of all, you know, you did get to see, you know, the people that did love you that, that, you know, sprung into action. And I, you know, try to help a lot of people, you know, a lot of our vets and a lot of our ex-players with this. Like, I'm sure if you completed your task, and I always tell these guys, I don't think you're going to be in the afterlife, whatever afterlife you believe in. Look down on us crying that you're gone and you're going to be there going, yeah. I think you're going to look at it and go, Oh no. What did I do? I don't yeah. want to leave these people in this kind of grief. No, right. what did I do? You had a chance to have a, a give back, right? To, to have a do-over. I think a lot of people, if, you know, and they're sitting in the afterlife going, I wish I had a chance to, to have a do-over. You had that magical so chance to have a do-over. This book is called The Ultimate Comeback, right? Right. It probably could be called The Ultimate Second Chance. Right. Because I don't know how many people are sitting in this chair right now. Right. And I, I would guess not many. And I remember... Uh, a woman, uh, I was speaking, I was back in Chicago, uh, back in the early part of November, and uh, I was talking at this company, and 
afterward, we were just kind of idle chit-chat, and she started to cheer up. And I go, what's wrong? And she says, well, my mom died about, I forget how long ago. And she says, and about 10 months after that, my sister committed suicide. And I said, you know, what those of us who are in that state of mind don't realize is that, and this is a bad word to use in this case, when you're successful at committing suicide, for you, it's over. For those around you, it's just beginning. And so, yeah, she said, yeah, that's it. All you can do at that point, you know, you can't, there's nothing to figure out. All you have to know is that it wasn't your fault and whatever was internally working with that person that guided them down that path had nothing to do with you or anybody else. That person's sort of perspective and deluded, delusional perspective guided them down a, a path that was a separate from everybody else when really it's all of our human nature, just like breathing, to be connected to people. But depression and those sorts of things steer you away from that. And so, you know, I, my, my best advice to her at the moment was just to say, you know, it, this has nothing to do, your sister's decision and ultimate outcome had nothing to do with you or anybody else around you. What a powerful message. And I, I try to villainize suicide because it is a choice. And some of my friends give me shit, some of my friends don't, but try to villainize it. The exact reason you're saying, like, you make that, that choice. And a lot of people do it not because of depression and anxiety, because they're having problems. They go through problems. Right? Problems are not the same thing as mental health issues. And when you do that, your pain's gone. But you just gave all yours to all all of us. And it's selfish. It's not fair to us. And, you know, some, I, I know people with, you know, I have a friend who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm. And he's like, yeah, you know, it wasn't selfish. Like, it, my mental illness, I had these voices talking to me. And telling me to do that. And I, that's not, so I said, okay, I understand you're right. That's different. That's not. But for those of us who are going through hard times and having problems, man, we've got to hold on and stick around for everybody else. So we don't give everybody else our pain, but also you never know what lies around next Tuesday. I mean, look, at, right. look at what you, look what's happening for you right now, right? Like, I, now you're living, you. are you living your best life now? For sure. There you go. Right. For sure. So I don't have to say this often, but I live, thinking that my best failure in life was that suicide attempt. There was a a former teammate of mine, never called me before, ever, gets a hold of me to tell me he was struggling. And only, you know, basically only I would understand. And, And this came on the heels of me being in Detroit, talking about this book. And the woman starts off the interview by saying, you weren't supposed to be here, were you? And I go, well, I guess I wasn't, but I am. And she goes, why do you think that is? And I said, well, I think it's to help people. And that phone call came, couldn't have been four hours later. Wow. And Isn't that amazing? Better than any touchdown you could throw? For right? sure. By for far, sure. right? And, and so, you know, I check on him, he checks on me, and there yeah. you go. And that's how it works. And, and that, that's why I talk about it too now, like, I'm just trying to give words like where people never had words. You're giving it words for teammates yours or whoever. Like you never know who it's going to, it's going to affect and how many lives you could save. And that's where, man, I, I'm, I'm just so proud of you, dude. I am. I'm proud of you. I know, you know, we have to go through a lot of fucked up shit in our life. Like in order to get to the level you played at in the NFL, you got to be fucked up going in. 
Right. So, right. For me to get to where I am in life, I'm fucked up, but I'm good with my fucked upness. Or at least I'm working on that. Right. I'm learning to be. And, you know, for us to be able to use our scars and our damage and our things like that now to help people, that's. I don't have depression anymore. Okay. Hmm. But I still see a therapist. Right. And, and I'm, uh, and I tell right. her, I'm, her name's Kim. And I told Kim today, I said, you know, she goes, what do you want to work on today? And I said, the same thing we've been working on for the last six months. I want to get back and continue putting myself, whether it's sitting in this couch or laying in this couch, I don't care. I'd like to get back to uh, that guided imagery and then also weave in when something doesn't quite fit with that, right? Mm. So life comes up. Like there's always sort of what you're doing and they're kind of like, kind of like a red light, traffic light, right? Right. It goes from green. Then there's a transition to yellow. And you know, when you see yellow, red's not far behind. And so kind of like there's going to be cues to you throughout a day. Even if you're in that calm state of mind, something yellow is going to happen. And you know, if you don't get back to that green, red's coming right around the corner. And so like, like she and I were saying, there's no finish line to that. You keep you keep honing that right. every day, and it, you don't want it to be an end. So um, yeah, and I, I look at therapists like coaches, and and that's it. You know, we drill. I have a wrestling background, and we drill and we drill and we drill and we drill and we drill, and we embrace the grind. And mental health needs to be approached the same way we do with that physical health. You and got that, with people like you talking about it, it's easier for the world to get there. So, uh, man, I'm proud of you. I appreciate you. The name of the book, The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. My dude, my battle buddy, Eric Kramer. Man, I, I'm proud of you, brother. I'm really proud of you. Keep saving lives. Well, you too, man. And we'll do appreciate it together. It. I love it. Love it. I love you, brother. Yeah. Eric Kramer. Thank you, bud. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.